it's important that the kid learns how to live in this world, but it's also very important how he comes out of this world. Like in terms of we have this philosophy of reincarnation, of karma, what happens after this life. So we should also be aware of not just live in this now, how we can maintain us now, how we can make our living now, but also in the terms of, okay, what's the higher purpose of life? What comes after this? Hey guys, welcome back to yet another week of free routing, an interesting story on navigating parenthood. Now this week is a special one because not only it's episode number 10, but we also interview a very interesting couple, Sudevi and Pradyumna. They grew up in Germany and Austria, and a few years back, they moved to India in search of spirituality. With that came a decision to raise their kids in an Indian spiritual way of learning, a Vedic education system, which is very radical even for me. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, and if you like it, do follow the journey on YouTube with the channel I Love Mayapur. Now sit back and enjoy. Today I have some amazing guests that I've been really, really, really wanting to have on this podcast for the longest time because it's a fascinating story. I've got Pradyumna on the other side and Sudevi, his wife, together. Do you want to say hello? Hello. hello. <laughs> <laughs> nice that you have us on your podcast. Thank you very much. I'm super excited. You have to tell us where you are calling in from today. Yes, uh, we're recording in from Mayapur. That's a, a small village in West Bengal, India. It's very in the east side of India. And there we live since six years, almost six years. My wife is from Germany and I'm from Austria. And we, we, we live here in an international community. We don't live here alone in the yeah. hut, in the jungle. <laughs> yeah. Here in Mayapur living, a lot of international people gathered together as a yeah, community. Yeah. I think the audience and the listeners would definitely tune into your YouTube where you build out this flavor of your life in full colors. Why don't you just tell us a little bit more about your life and what are you up to there? We came in contact with the Hare Krishna movement in Germany. My husband came in contact in Austria and Vienna and me in Germany. And then there somehow we met and married <laughs> and had kids and we really dived into this philosophy, into this Vedic philosophy, which was foreign at first for us, but we really yeah. appreciated this and we really found a deep treasure in it. But we always felt we live in two worlds. Like we live in a German world, which is, is very foreign to that. And then we live in our Hare Krishna world. And then when we had kids, we wanted them to give an all-around experience that it's not two worlds. We wanted to have it one world. <laughs> yeah. That they not feel foreign in, in some yeah. kind of way. And so we were looking for a very strong community mm. where we can live, where we can live our Hare Krishna philosophy outside the house and outside the temple. So this we, we found then here in India. In Mayapur. Just to mention that why Mayapur? Mayapur is the headquarters of the Hare Krishna movement, actually. It's a very special place, a very holy place, mm. um, where also from all over India, thousand pilgrims coming here every year. And that's a very important place. And since about 50 years, like 
since the Hare Krishna movement started in the West, they started to build up a international community here in Mayapur, where people, I think now right now from 60 different countries living here all together. Nice. And you've been there for six years. And how, how are you managing in the, in the lockdown times, by the way? Oh, <laughs> yeah. It was, I think it was four months or something from yeah. April to August was pretty hard lockdown there yeah. more or less first they have two very hard lockdowns for two months i think where mm -hmm. we could you know could really go out if we just have to go shopping we could go yeah. shopping and then have to go home immediately and there was no no way to go out afterwards it was of course hard like for everyone but still it's it was uh, we have some backyard we could at least go a little bit out in the back backyard it was nice weather so also for our kids to go, go out a little bit and we didn't have to stay a whole time in a flat. At least we were together as a family was all the time. And it was it was yeah. in sometimes intense, but it also had these nice times, actually, that we were quite close together as family and with the kids also. Yeah. The hardest thing was that we could not go to Germany because we were planning to have a um, trip to our parents, yeah. to our family and visit them. But then everything got cancelled, yeah. flights got cancelled. My mother broke out in tears. It was her long yearning that she could yeah. see the grandchildren and this got our concert and this was the hardest part. But yeah. here, living here was okay. It was not that. I follow your journey on YouTube and it seems like even through lockdown, there's still stuff to do. And, and of course, you're in India, right? Rules are not really rules. In <laughs> Germany, people take the rules a little bit seriously as well. <laughs> even though it's not as hard, but people are very strict about the, the, yeah. the contacts that they make here. So it's pretty crazy here. Yeah, I, I think Indians, they, they take rules seriously, you know, and, until they really make, uh, you know, practical sense. If it doesn't make practical sense anymore, they don't take it seriously. And then they, they yeah. just skip the rules. And then it goes out exactly and it toss in the ocean. So one of the reasons I got you there, and I wish our guests could see this beauty in this and the sense of irony here that we've really, we've gone for a home swap here. I'm in Berlin, <laughs> Germany, wearing Western clothes and you're in India. You're wearing a beautiful kurta and a sari, Sudevi. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish this could just come out across in the screen so well. That's a reason for us to come together today and talk about that, this cultural exchange that we are looking at. Mm. The reason why I, I decided, okay, I really wanted to speak with you is because all my life I've really been running from the Indian culture. I left my country when I was 15 and now raising a family here in Germany. And we have a multicultural family here. And my son, there are parts of him that obviously adapts to the Indian culture, but he's growing in a very different setup. And I'm always confused and fighting. How do I ingrain this a little bit of Indi Indianness in him? It's a, always a constant struggle because as kids, we always looked at Western culture and growing out and always admiring what is from the Americas, from the Europe's and thinking very little about Indian culture. And it's the, exactly the opposite for you, right? Yeah, like, it seems that you're really happy there. Yeah, we grow up in the Western culture and we, we lived it in our teens and early I'm more in the early 20s. You then went to a monk life when you were in your 20s. But I went to all the student parties and universities and uh, yeah. really dived into the Western I also was culture. in parties. I also had parties. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I had, had enough of parties. <laughs> but yeah, when we came in contact with this spirituality of the Hare Krishna um, movement, yeah. it was something else which gave our lives a different direction and also a very deep meaning which we could not find in the western world 
we have to say we we from non-religious backgrounds. So if maybe if you are a Christian and follow a Christian culture, you can find this meaning in life as well. But for us, it was mm. this this God consciousness was a turning point which gave a lot of meaning to our life, and we could very well relate to this. Take a couple of steps back and give us a bit more context into your lives before this happened. I know, Pradimina, you were uh, into real estate and a few other things here and there, videos as well. Tell us a little bit more about the background of your lives before that. Yeah, I, I grew up in Austria near Vienna in a normal, nice family. And I dropped pretty early out of school. I didn't, I never liked school. <laughs> I dropped out with 15, 16, started working different jobs like a welder and you know, different stuff. And I joined pretty early when I was 20. I joined the Hare Krishna movement actually when I finished working. And I wanted to go actually out. I wanted to go backpacking first in Australia or I wanted to go just out. Yeah. And somehow I was a little bit in contact with the Hare Krishnas and they asked me if you'd like to come with them to India. I think I was 21 at this time. And then I said, I, I go with them and then I will do my own thing. I was, you know, I thought, and then, yeah, then I was with a group of, you know, like Germans and Americans and from Austria, some people, we, we had a big group, like 10, 15 people. We went to, to India for five weeks and. Yeah, and they really got to know what's the philosophy behind it. And I, I have to say, I didn't, you know, take this, the Hare Krishna so serious, actually, at this time. But when I was in India, mm. actually, and then I saw these huge temples and this whole culture and all these people and the whole, and I got to know the philosophy behind it and the lifestyle. And this five weeks in India just completely changed my consciousness from 180 degrees completely. Started to meditate, start reading books. I think this was really the turning point for me to start like a spiritual journey. That was that was the five weeks experience of India for me. I asked this question as an Indian, where I know that there's such a strong influence of families around. What was happening in your families at that time, or in your family, Pradimna specifically? Were you concerned about what they're looking at? How are they looking at this transition and transformation in you? It was life-changing for me and of course for everyone else around me. And But my, my parents, they were always, we have faith in you, we trust you that you, you do the right mm -hmm. thing. And of course, in the beginning, it was a little shocking for them when I came back and told them, okay, now I want to move in the ashram in Vienna and they were of course concerned and but then mm. my mother came visited the temple got to know the other people and she, I think she quickly realized that it's actually that's a very nice people and yeah of course there's also this thinking of sect you're going in a religious sect and this whole thing I had to deal with all of that but and many friends were like really concerned about me and it was difficult because I lost many friends in that way also because they couldn't relate at all anymore with me and what I'm doing right now. Still wanted to hang out with me, go to parties and then drink and smoke and to do all these kinds of stuff. But I, I yeah. didn't want that anymore. So it was strange for them also and for me. And yeah, it was a system break. Yeah, I can relate to that in, in so many ways, but I'm also looking at this with a sense of envy in a, in a way that I'm looking at 15 and 16 years of my age when I was what I was doing at that stage. And I know that I was on a single track where things was already set. We were already told this is what you have to be. And I think there's so much social and economic conditions of growing up in India at that time where you, it's always hard to make money and living and you always have to fend for yourself versus what I see in Germany where a lot of my peer parents give a lot of freedom to their kids on deciding and choosing what they want to do and how they want to live. And that's coming with the faith that things will work out. It can't get as bad or worse here. Somebody is taking care of that. And for me to give that kind of attention to my son, freedom is always hard because I never grew up with that. <laughs> so. I would ask, how did you feel when, I mean, you just spoke about 15 years old and your parents made your path. What do you mean? They, they had a plan for you in mind and you should follow this path? Or? 
when I say that I speak for, I think, millions or maybe even a billion Indians there, that a lot of things is governed by competition, lack of trust that this will work out. And why, of course, because if you look at the systems and conditions in India, nobody's taking care of you. Even a simple thing like the social insurance that people are entitled to if they lose a job, if they're not in a well place in their life, they can still come back to that. That's not available in India. And that comes with the mentality that you have to follow a path which is proven of being a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or or, or an engineer mm-hmm. and be one of the better ones so that you can take care of yourself and the family. And, and I think that was the part that I was referring to, though they were not as strict. My parents were still liberal. They let me go to you know Singapore. I left the country when I was 15, 16. But again, that control and that that desire to be doing something for them was very strong that I, I, I never veered off that path as much. How did you felt? Did you felt it as a good Or how did you felt about that? At different stages in life, the lessons shine for you. So now when I look at this, I'm really feeling blessed that I had that guidance from them, which I resisted for a long time at the age of 15 and 16, which I was not you know, happy about when I was mid-20s, that why did they force me into this direction? <laughs> But I feel that my foundations were laid in a way that they knew worked back then. Yes, of course, I'm not as I didn't grow up as an adventurous kid. I didn't try out new cultures as easily back then. But now I feel they did what they knew best knew of at that point in time. And that makes me a little bit of a better father now, I feel. Mm-hmm. Knowing that my son may not may resist a lot of things that I'm, you know, working on with him. Uh, even till his teenagers, but at the end, it would all be fine. The worst thing I could try being a perfect father <laughs> and or perfect parent that, in that sense. I think, I think everyone has to find, especially concerning your own children, to have to find this balance between you know, giving the, your child the kind of the freedom to develop however, whatever he wants to become in life and but also giving him like a more direction, you know, and, and maybe also sometimes I would push him or give him the inspiration to move forward. And I think this balance is very important. And maybe in, in some, maybe families or maybe some cultures and the scene in India very much that many people put a lot of pressure to their children to mm. have a very good education. Of course, you see this in every, you know, country, of course, in Germany also. and from yeah, the but, parents. Here, but here in India, it's so obvious it's what so happens obvious. if you don't have yeah, money. When, 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 when you don't seven. have a good job, you know, you're lost in the street. Yes. That's there. It's very strong here. Yes. Yeah. And raising kids with guilt and that raising kids with that sense of losing out or fear of missing out, it, it sticks for the rest of the life, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also the danger of the other side that, you know, that you just let, you know, you don't give, you know, at, at all a guidance or you don't give at all like, some direction. It's not a critique on my parents. You know, I love my parents for what they are, but I was I was the third child, for example. I had two elder brothers and I see it they become loser and loser with the usually the last child is always okay, let let him do whatever he wants. Yeah. The first son is okay, we have to, you know, really educate him. And, It's a proper job. Yeah. You know, exactly. And he did the whole thing. He did very proper school. He had a very good job. And I was more always like the free spirit. And at some point, like when I was become 14, 15, 16, I felt lost also. I had no idea what to do in my life. I had no real directions, you know, what I should do. So I think it's important mm. to have both to give as a parent or give this direction, does it? Yeah. And, and that spirit of an explorer, basically, right? That searching spirit that needs to be cultivated and nourished at that age, which is so important. Mm-hmm. We'll go into that in a second. But so, Devi, what's your story? I want to know because you came to this uh, much later. And I feel that once you're through your university stages, your, your life is set, right? You, not just because of what your parents might have created, but even your mindset. This is what I have to be. This is what I want to be. Actually, I come from a 
very small village in Thüringen and it's in the middle of mm. Germany. And yeah. I had four girls in my age in this village and we went through the whole school system together. I was not exposed to a big city or something. I was very secure yeah. in this small village. This, and then this, when this. I went through the whole, whole school system, like I had an abitur, like what's in English? Mm. I don't know. I, I, and after then we went to university. This was the first time when I was in a bigger city. I went mm. through that system. And then I never really thought much about my life. But then at the end of my university, my parents got divorced and somehow I got in trouble with my friends and also, even if I liked what I studied, I felt like it's not really what I want to do in life. It's not really the sense of my life to working in this. So what's going on? I can work with this, earn my money, but what makes me happy? I felt, okay, my family is not really what I really relate to. Now suddenly they have a divorce, friends also, mm -hmm. we come in, in fights and then the job, I, I can work in that, but I don't want really to give my life and soul to that. Then the question started. And then it was a similar way. When you ask what is the purpose of my life, what I really should do, where I should go, then also the answers come. If you seriously ask the universe. Mm. <laughs> mm. And this was the point where then the books of Srila Prabhupada, it's the main person and the Hare Krishna movement who wrote all mm. the books who translated the Bhagavad Gita in English. And then these books came to me and I, I, I read about the, the soul and what is a soul. We are not this body, we have a soul inside and this reincarnation and what is karma. And it was for me like a different universe opening up and I thought, oh wow, I, it's not just about working and family, there's something else in life. and. Then this journey started. <laughs> I have to say that I really love your stories. And you have a, such a beautiful way of telling these stories. And then I dug into the internet a little bit and found out that you also, you worked in radio for a bit or were you a speech artist or something like that? Yeah, I, I studied speech science and I specialized on audiobooks. And a little bit then also commercials or, yeah some speaking things. And so going on this path, did it mean that you had to break what you had already? Or was it this path was a natural integration of, you know, what you had picked up as part of your studies and as part of your life in Germany? And it was just making it flow along with spirituality. For me, it came direct at the end of my university. So mm -hmm. I, it was the last year where I just had to write my diploma. And mm -hmm. During I was writing my diploma, I visited the temple and spoke with all the people. And then, so it was one thing was closed, like my education was closed. And then a new journey started. I, I, I a little bit went into the working world, but then mm. I mostly got interested into this spiritual life. Actually, right after the studies, uh, she, she went to India for three months. We didn't know each other at this time, actually. She went on her own alone to India for three months. You were on a separate path uh, spiritually, and then you met through this group in Berlin. And so now you're coming together on this path. How is... So I'm just thinking, going back again, So you think about family or you're, you're, that's not even in the question right now? Or what's how are you imagining this, this future together with, with kids being planned? Yeah, first we had each other and how we now should maintain our life. And then there came a catering service. So the, the, the kids were not 
yet planned. Or there was yeah. even not the thinking of going to to India or this. This really yeah. just came when when the kids were there. Yeah. 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 We, we we married. We got you know kids pretty quickly after after a year. And I had a business like a catering business in Germany in, in Leipzig. Mm-hmm. I also had a restaurant, a vegetarian restaurant. We, you know, offered Indian dishes, and I went to all the big festivals in Germany: Hurricane, Melt Festival, Fusion Festival, and all this. Fusion Festival, the legendary <laughs> Fusion. Festival. I, I showed my wife your your uh, picture from that, the Govinda's stall, and she immediately recognized no. that she's been there. <laughs> yes. 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 How many times she went to the Fusion? What did you say? There was a time before she and I met. Six times she went, <laughs> you know, one after the other each year. So it was like a, almost like a ritual. Her friends would go there. Yeah. And then the, the only year where she traveled outside of Germany, she met me and we fell in love and, and got into this relationship. That's the only year she missed it. And then she went oh. back again. She <laughs> took me the next year. But then that was probably the, that was the last time that she went, 2013 or 2014, if I can remember, was the last year we went. And I think you were there, right, that time? Yeah, I, I'm there since, I think, 2010 or so. 2009 was my first fusion. Yeah, since then, I was every year I was there, yeah. Yeah, and I still remember the taste. I think if he had it there, it's just just mind blowing because it was my first experience in Germany to have an Indian food outside of the country, and I was just visiting for the short time, and I was blown. I was like, "What? <laughs> this is a non-Indian running a restaurant, and it's really good food." <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the people really love pakoras. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, back to your story of, of running Govindas. Yeah. Yeah. Then. Yeah. And it's the, the kids became, I was working, I was working actually very hard and tried to establish this restaurant. Yeah. This restaurant was not running uh, that well, actually, in, you know, yeah. in, in Leipzig. And we had also like a delivery service. We also cooked for kindergartens and we had we cooked for weddings and birthday parties. And my whole business expanded a lot, but this restaurant was not running so well. And the yeah. festivals were running very good, you know, and, and mostly I, I worked in the summer and the whole winter. We had free time first. And we also went a few times to India, actually. With, with the kids mm. two times already to India in the winter time, and yeah, then I was thinking one more. Okay, let's for our sake and for the kids' sake, maybe because we really liked India, we really liked Mayapur, this place here, and we really could imagine yeah. living ourselves here and that our kids growing yeah. up here. And so this desire became strong and strong after some time. And yeah, and then at one point we really said, okay, because the restaurant was not anyways not running good, so we gave up the restaurant. And and I also see that I you know can just come back in the summer for a few months, make some money here in Germany, and go back to India and live the rest of the life in in India. So, yeah, that was the idea, and yeah, then in one point we just did it. Yeah, and, and before we get, build that image of how being in India is a bit more in detail from this kid's perspective, I w- tell us a little bit about your kids. One is Vamana; he's an older kid, older boy, mm-hmm. and Padmini. Yeah. What kind of kids are they? What? Are, how old are they? Now there are seven and nine. We came when I think Padmini was just three, mm. two, three. Something like this, and so really small enough to know what's happening. Like really, just yes. I mean, at that time, getting used to you as parents. In the, in the summer, we went back to Germany, and then you, yeah, their old friends, and kept some relationship. Yeah, Vamana has some more memories also. But for kids in general, I think it's much more easier than for adults to adopt yeah. a new culture because they are so innocent in a way and so pure that they yeah for them it's just 
Yeah, there's a just live also much more in the moment than we yeah. can, you know, we have our concepts and our ideas and yeah, we build up our whole and the kids are just in the they moment say, and, yeah. and they want to have fun and want to play and whatever. It's, and they say just hello to the neighbor and do you want to play and Yeah, and there they are. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of kids here and there's a lot of playing outside and it's seen as very nice and beautiful. So they immediately got connected here with many other kids and had many friends. There's different schools here and, and so we We had this immediately. Of course, for them, it was a little strange because it's also a big tourist place, Mayapur. So there's yeah. many, many yeah. tourists from all over India and also from Bangladesh. And especially from rural India or from Bangladesh, people, they actually they never saw saw like white kids in their life. And our right. kids are white. Our daughter has blonde hair and she was two, three, four years. So she was very, very cute. You know? So that was a little bit scary for us and also for the kids because Indians... They're also sometimes very, very spontaneous and emotional and, and yeah. don't have any, you don't know this, you know, border like we know. They immediately came and, and, and you, know, you know, touched it, squeezed the cheeks, squeezed the cheeks, yeah. you know, surrounded them. Yeah. And when, you know, one Indian comes and hundred follow and this was a little bit yeah. sometimes scary for them. So they have a little, I think. Respect this, for Indian crowd. Respect for, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that part itself because that's very interesting. I, I remember going to school with my mother at the age of six, seven, traveling through uh, busy DTC buses in Delhi. And it would be so crowded that first they would obviously offer a seat to my mother, but if they, they ha didn't have any seat, my mother would just give me to a random person and that person would make me sit on the lap. <laughs> and so it was all full contact sport, right? Yeah. Now I'm here in Germany when my kid is playing with some of the kids. And if I have to help somebody who's fallen, I'm just super scared to just touch that kid because... Yeah. I don't know what the other parents would think about. So it's exactly the reverse yeah. for me. And you, it might have happened in the opposite direction. So how did you get used to that? What is your experiences there? <laughs> to be honest, I will never get used to it. <laughs> Indians just didn't know that there's, there's so many of them and they just have to, especially in crowded places, they have to stand very close to each other and they don't have this boundary. Even if you stand in a line and you have a lot of space, you stand in a line yeah. and in the back, you suddenly you feel someone, you know, touching you and you feel like, why is yeah. And you turn around and it's just very innocently like squeezing your, your, himself on you and, <laughs> and yeah. what's happening? Back off. So yeah. it's, it's still a little weird. Of course, now I'm getting used to it and no, it's not, I don't, first of all, these are strange people, but now I want understand why they are like this and they don't mean it in yeah. a bad way they're just very innocent and they're just used to this kind of they have no problem yeah. to be in very close contact and no. that's very difficult to handle sometimes of course big crowds and with respect to kids i, I know vaman is going to gurukul and is this sort of hostel do you want to just tell what kind of setup it is yeah gurukul is how to say it's a traditional vedic school so mm -hmm. they have also Subjects like English, math, what we know from our school, but they live in a kind of ashram together. So they want to make the school a home also. For example, they have cows also there and the kids who are going in the school, they were completely responsible on their own taking care of the cows. So they have to clean the shed, give them food, make sure they go on the area where the grass is growing and they can eat the grass yeah they cook for themselves they cook for themselves you know, so they have these two sides of the education one teacher said to me once it's important that the kid learns how to live in this world but it's also very important how he comes out of this world like in, in terms of 
we have this knowledge of or this this philosophy of reincarnation of karma what happens after this life so we should also be aware of not just live in this now how we can maintain us now how we can make our living now but also in the terms of okay what's the higher purpose of life what comes after this the school tries to co combine this so they have also like a lot of Shastra classes. They're learning Vedic mantras. They have meditation together. So he's going in this kind of yeah school setup. <laughs> I find this fascinating because I grew up in this culture. I grew up with mantras around. And obviously, as an average Indian family, we are religious, but we're not spiritual. Like We know a few things, but we're not deep into it. We just consume it. But now, Vamana, is, he's been there for five years or six years. and he, So he grew up in the system. No, three and a half. Three and a half years. Yeah. In some ways, even your education, right? Like you're getting into this system as well as you educate him the school of thought the whole school where, where Vaman is going maybe some people can watch some YouTube videos about it <laughs> maybe they just yeah. Maya Pogurukul and you can go more deeper into it what this whole school is all about and even for Indians this school where Vamana is going right now it's very f foreign actually because it's radical exactly. yeah, radical in one sense in past like if for 50 or 100 years this, these yeah. schools were very common And it's very normal. Normal that actually, and it's you know, I also have to mention it's a it's a boys' school. Many are living there. They're living there full time, and the older boys they're actually taking care of the school. They making all the schedules. They you know make the plan. They they cook. They take care of the, some labors. They 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 go shopping. They taking care of the smaller boys. When you start like 12, 13 years, you become a group leader, and you have to take care of five, six, seven boys who are a little younger than you, and so you already yeah. develop this skills of leading others leading youngest and one aspect is also very important there that the training of the character that's um, one of the main aspect of the school that yeah. teach these kids okay you be very nice to younger kids take care of them help them and encourage them yeah and they say to the to the younger boys that they, they teach them be respectful to the elder boys and especially to your teachers be very respectful they have this real culture and between the same age have close friendship Be nice, and the character training in the school is very important. It's one of the main aspect actually of the school. I love it. This is was actually the concept I I was really intrigued because uh, I, yeah. I think this is one of the main aspect why you actually what you want to educate kids. Of course, you need knowledge, you need English, you need all this you know technical knowledge. It's very important, of course. What's up with the character? What's is with the deeper you know purpose? In, yeah. What is the, what's to set goals, to get a good character, to be in, in, enthusiastic, and and you know all these kind of qualities. And I see, especially in Western, and I saw it with myself. I was never inspired in school. The teacher came in, you yeah. know, he just wanted to say his subject, and when he was finished, he went out, you know, and you sit the whole day in a room with white walls. Everyone is the same yeah. age, which is very artificial, also because in the real world, yeah. sit in one room with the same age of people all day long. Yeah, it's also very artificial, you know, environment. So. This school gives a much more actually more relatable to, to the future life or to life in general. So yeah. anyways, this whole Gurukul is a whole concept and yeah. it's very interesting. It could be a whole other <laughs> topic about itself. And I'm sure if you go into this deeper, it would be so fascinating because it's all presenting. What came to my mind as you were talking about this is that it takes a village to raise a kid. And that's exactly what you're seeing with this Gurukul with people of different ages contributing to that. And over here, what I'm struggling with is imparting to my son an individuality right that he's alone he himself has to make a decision and 
talking about respect, right? I grew up in Indian system. So obviously there's a different meaning for respect of elders, somebody who's more educated or somebody who's higher up in the organization. But here you we just start always trying to teach them how to stand up for yourself. And you don't necessarily have to listen to the other person just because he's elder or a teacher or whatever. You have to make your own decisions. So this sort of, I find that there's all this conflicting here as well. Very interesting on how you, you shared that. Also, my parents, they were very, they gave me very good values, but I can see it's, it's dropping more and more in the society. And we are struggling to get these values back, not just to let the elbows make our way, but also yeah. look at the other person. What's what has this kind of person for feelings? Do we respect the person? Friendly with that person, not just everyone aside. And that me versus us thing or me and us thing is something a theme that I think we could probably build better here in, in Western societies in Germany as well. Which I think again, if you look at these climate movements and people talking about being vegan and changing lifestyle, it, it's boiling down to that. It's just not being not thinking about us selfishly, but also just thinking about the broader you know, how do we impact the people around us, the consciousness around that as well. I know that we're running uh, close to our time. I had a couple of other questions and I would really love to know you've chosen a path for your kids just like how my parents chose path for me. And because I lived in that pond, I did not know anything else beyond that. And same for Vamana and Padmini. Does it ever you know, cross your mind or do you get fearful thinking that what if down the road they question this and they don't like it or they come back and ask you, why me? Why did you choose us to be here? We could have been living in a different world. Yes, of course, we questioned this. But I think that... We live in a very loving family environment, which is we, mm. we want that our kids are healthy and that they feel loved. And we want them to give this very deep, let's say, religious path. And whatever they make up when they are grown up, it's completely their choice. We want that they have their this foundation, that we give them the foundation and then they go with it or they leave it behind. But until they are under our guidance, we want that they give them what we can give them. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, we have this YouTube channel and you always read these yeah. comments, you know, how can you do this to your children and how can you brainwash them and this kind of you know lifestyle and you will not know the, the real world. And you see, you heard these comments and you know, mm. we, we give some thoughts to that. First of all, I have to say, of course, everyone is in his own way brainwashing his own children in you know, wherever he lives, whatever culture is giving him. <laughs> one can say totally. this, everyone is doing this with his own children. This is maybe the argument we can, what is maybe better, what is worse. Some people, I'm not criticizing it, they bring their kid every weekend to the football game because they love football and they grew up in a football culture. And I'm fine with, you know, everyone can do whatever he likes, but everyone is giving his own identity, his own culture, his own values to his children. And of course, you have the externals. And one can argue, but the whole world is different than this little spot in Mayapur and this Hare Krishna movement. Maybe one can say that. But as my wife already said, the reason why we're here is, first of all, we want our motivation is to give the best environment to our children, a like, like a peaceful, mm -hmm. loving environment with very good people. That was one of our first motivations. This is my personal conviction that everywhere in the world there's one very important aspect missing, and this is the, the spiritual aspect of life. You know, the 
there is something missing and that the people don't talk about it. They don't, you know, discuss it openly. And it's like a no topic in schools and even, you know, high education system that you really can openly speak about spirituality, about God, about higher purpose in life. And so this was very important for us that our kid can grow up in an environment there. They can discover these kind of things and they can talk about these kind of things. And it's a very normal part of life. And we can also see... Our parents also gave us this choice and my parents have nothing to do with spirituality, with religion, with all this, but we have a very good loving connection and I know whatever will happen, I can always turn to them. And mm. I would like to give my children this also, whatever they are then up to, they always can turn to me. So this <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. That is indeed very refreshing and good to hear. And like I said, I'm looking for this as a mirror of a conversation, talking to myself, because you indeed represent that in many ways. Me being on, on the other side of the border and other side of the world, which I connect with and represent. And just to hear that in your words, it's very refreshing that I should not be feeling as scared to teach my son some Hindi or some mantras or even prayers because... I think the most important thing, do this, that it, it, it's close to you. If you share something mm. that's close to you, then the kid feels, oh, it's special for my parents. It's something valuable for him. It's a treasure. It, if it's just a ritualistic, you have to learn this mantra. Now you sit down and we recite it 10 times. And after this, you can just go and play outside. Then it's boring and not really... It, uh, no one says that religious or spirit life has to be boring or just about rules. Yeah. I mean, you can see sometimes our kids, you know, when there's like music going on in the temple and there's music and dancing. Our kids, I mean, especially our daughter, she's flipping out, you know, she's dancing, she's spinning. Yeah. And this is fun. It, it shouldn't be forceful. Yeah. Culture should never be forceful. What is one thing that you really are worried about at this stage, knowing that you've left Germany for a while and anything that bothers you? Anything that you miss from Germany? This morning, this morning, avocados here in India, unfortunately. At least, I think in Calcutta. This morning, we talked about Rosenkohl. What is Rosenkohl in English? Yeah, yeah. but your bakery, that seven grains bakery, is the one that you find some nice bread. So at least the bread is covered. Bread? It's really actually we have the best bakery. No? <laughs> it's really, really baked every day in a wooden oven. And we're competing completely with the German bakery, definitely. My wife would be happy to know that. And I think to that point, at least one check mark is there that I can bring her and visit uh, Mayapur with her so that she's happy. Thank you so much for this time. I really enjoyed this conversation. It's good to see that, good to feel back in touch with my roots and good to feel even more confident that what I have been brought up with and I carry along is valuable. And thanks for bringing that confidence in me and the, through this conversation. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. If people want to follow your journey, I know that YouTube channel is one I love, Mayapur, yes. and they'll find you. Anything else you want to let people know they should follow? Yeah, this is I Love Mayapur channel. Then maybe if they're interested in the school, they also the, the Gurukul, they have their own channel where they share a lot of videos right now. So I just type in Gurukul Mayapur, you will find it's called uh, Bhaktivedanta Academy. Absolutely. And so David, do you still share your stories? Is there anything new coming up in that direction? I, in German? In or? German? I always yeah. think about, but in the moment, it's not really going on. 
but it, there will be for sure. Thank you once again for being here. And I really appreciate this time and conversation. And I would love to keep following your journey on YouTube. Keep them coming, thank, those videos. Thank you so much for inviting us. It was also very pleasure for us. It was very yeah. nice yeah. conversation. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. If you do, please give us a rating on Apple Podcast and share with your friends on Apple or Spotify.